Hi there. Welcome back to Conversations with Cheryl. My name is Cheryl. I come to you today to offer you some encouragement because who does not need encouragement? But I come to you today to tell you or give you that encouragement in the form of a story. I love stories. I love stories because they offer us the ability to visualize ourselves in the characters that are displayed in the story. You see, we can see the totality of the human personality in the story. We can look at their circumstances, their challenges. But most importantly, from those stories or from this story, my hope is that you're able to get or gather at least one, two, three tips, pieces of advice that you can apply in your own story because you are writing one. But before I tell you this story, I want to read to you a short phrase. I like it a lot because in my opinion, this phrase encompasses the totality of this story. Here it goes. And the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. I'll give it to you one more time. And the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. Now, if you are familiar with the Bible and with the story I'm about to share, this verse or this phrase actually is 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 18. Of all the women in the Bible that inspire me and that I try to look up to and visualize myself in the one woman that sticks out for me, that stands out for me is Hannah. Some Bible scholars call her Anna. Depending on which continent you come from, it could either be Hannah or Hannah, Anna or Anna, but I digress. But the reality of it is being who I am, a girl who came from Cameroon, West Africa, who finds herself in America. You'll hear me go from Hannah to Hannah at some point throughout this story. So do not be alarmed. What I love about Hannah is that she displays grace and resilience. You see, I don't believe that I have been able to display the amount of grace in my own personal life that you read and you see Hannah display. But when it comes to resilience, man, I believe that we are sisters. The second thing I love about Hannah is that she, at least in my opinion, is a quiet powerhouse. Her story is short yet significant. She does not become a queen like Esther. She does not bear the Messiah. But her story, her role is so pivotal. If you know the story, you know that Hannah is the mother of Samuel, who the Lord calls to go and find and anoint David. And out of the house of David comes our Messiah. So, in my opinion, there is no Christian life without Hannah. But like life is and as life is, nothing good comes easily. Hannah does not get to the end of her life without going through trials and tribulations and challenges. 
I love her story because it is about the position and the attitude that you must embody and that you must adopt when you are faced with the greatest desire of your life and time. You want something so desperately, so massively, and time has elapsed, and yet that thing has not come. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever wanted something so deeply, so badly, and you have prayed and begged and cried and done everything you know how to do, and yet that thing has not come yet? I ask you to pause and think about this deeply because the reality of life is that at some point you are going to be faced with a challenge. You're going to want something to change. You're going to want something to take off. You're going to want something so badly. It could either be a career. It could either be a relationship, a spouse, a child, an illness that you're going through. You want it to go or start and you're going to do everything that you know to do. And yet that thing will not come when you expect it. The question is, not only what are you going to do, but who are you going to be? When you read the story of Hannah, we are told nothing about her upbringing, nothing about her parents. We are literally brought into her story at the most crucial and pivotal time. We are brought literally front and center into her struggle, her deepest and greatest struggle. I will not bore you with telling you Hannah's entire story. I believe that if you are interested, go read it. But here it is. Hannah, Hannah, greatly desires something. She wants something so badly. I believe that she has done everything that she knows how to do. She's prayed. She's fasted. She has been faithful to God. And yet that thing doesn't come when she wants it to come. But as God is good, eventually it comes at his appointed time. When we start the story, we realize that we see that Hannah is married. She's married to a man called Elkanah. But very quickly, we realize that Hannah's struggle is, I would say, probably two or threefold. Not only does she greatly desire motherhood, she wants to be a mama so badly. But she's also dealing with the fact that she has, some would call it a co-wife. I don't know if co-wife would be my word of choice because Finiha, if that's how you pronounce her name, doesn't show any kindness to Hannah. Hannah has been wanting a baby so badly and yet her rival, her co-wife, this chick keeps popping babies. The Bible says that she has sons and daughters but, and before I even talk about the but, I wonder again if Hannah, even though the story is years and years and years and years ago, if Hannah is not going through the same struggle that sometimes we as women today are facing, the struggle to wanting to be married and then have a child on our own timelines because Perhaps society has told you to do it. 
You see, perhaps Hannah was not only facing her own internal struggles and pressure. Perhaps there was some cultural pressure of, hey, get married and start having children. Because what else are you good for? And I wonder if that struggle is not something that as much as we have advanced into life today, we are still not going through that struggle of womanhood. But then again, I digress. Hannah wants a baby so badly. She's been praying. She's been fasting. She's been doing everything that she knows how to do. Yet this chick, I'll call her this chick, Finiha, has been popping babies left, right, and center. Yet the Bible also tells us that in the middle of all of that, Hannah is loved. She's loved deeply by her husband. It tells us that every time they would go up to the house of the Lord, Elkanah would give a portion of the offering to Finiha, but to Hannah, he would give double double. Finiha was not Finiha. Elkanah was generous. He deeply loved his wife and I appreciate that because there's nothing that tells us that he disrespected her, that he devalued her, that he talked to her any kind of way. No, he loved her. But year after year, Hannah would go in there praying to God for a child. Have you ever prayed to God for something and the person next to you just keeps getting that thing. How do you act? How do you behave? What do you do? It doesn't end there, no. Finiha is so kind, kind enough to provoke Hannah, to put it in her face. I mean, this chick is not only just having babies left, right, and center. No, she's going a step further to put it in her face. You know how we women can be very catty, very, very um arrogant, very in your face, very dramatic. You know how sometimes we can go out of our way to inflict pain on our own sisters. Finihad does this beautifully. Yet, the Bible tells us again, and this is where I love and I appreciate Hannah's grace. Hannah does not retaliate or say mean things back to Finihad. No, neither does she go back to Elkanah and cry and be like, hey, See what that girl is doing to me? No. Hannah keeps it all in. And it says that she goes back to the Lord year after year. And she weeps and she cries out to him for her desire. Man. I don't know. God has to help us. Help me to have that kind of grace. There are so many times when you want to go off on somebody. um, But Hannah teaches us that. That is not the way. That even in the midst of all of this, that she can so choose how she responds and she can choose who she lays her burdens on. So imagine this, take yourself out of your own situation or perhaps put yourself in this situation. You've been praying to God. You've been wanting something so badly. You know, it's one thing to pray to God for a year. Right, a year rolls around. You're like, okay, dear God, I, I I want this thing. I want a baby, and the year rolls around and it hasn't happened. And you're like, okay, no problem. Year two rolls around and it doesn't happen, and then year three, and then year four, and then year five. You see, the beautiful thing about Hannah's story is that the Bible spares us the amount of time that Hannah has to wait. It doesn't tell us that because I believe that if it told us that, man, we would be looking at the clock and waiting and we will not be transformed in and during the wait. No, 
But all we know is that Hannah has been praying and she has been waiting patiently. She's been steadfast. But I want to believe that being human and me, Cheryl, as a human, that at some point, at some point throughout this waiting, perhaps doubt sets in, perhaps anxiety sets in, perhaps worry sets in. It doesn't help that Phineas is popping babies and she's being very kind. And I'm being sarcastic by saying that she's being kind. No, perhaps as time is going, perhaps Hannah's color is beginning to fade. Perhaps she's losing just a bit of who she is and perhaps she just is maybe a little bit unsteady and unstable and she's beginning to question herself like, God, I have the desire. You know this. Why is it taking time? Why has it not happened yet? Am I okay? Am I crazy for asking this, for believing this, for wanting this? Perhaps you're going through your own challenge and perhaps you've come to the point where you are beginning to even question your own self. Was it me or was it God? Should I keep waiting? Should I keep praying? She's going through all these things. At least this is my interpretation, being a human being. But it doesn't end there. No, Hannah is not only distraught. Now it goes on to say that at some point, Hannah stops eating. Imagine again, yourself wanting something so desperately you are losing sleep now you're not even feeding yourself it gets to the point that Elkanah her loving husband comes up to her and says and this is me paraphrasing like babe like what's up and he says am I not worth to you more than 10 sons and again as short as that phrase is for me it displays how much he loved his wife like hey babe like i get that you really want this baby right but at the end of the day is it not me and you like why you what's up i get that we've 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 prayed we've we're offering sacrifices we're doing everything that we know how to do to have this baby but come on now but we also see that Elkanah is limited. He's a man. There's only so much that he can do. And so things change when they go up to the house again this year to pray. And I believe that at this point in time, not only is Hannah distraught, she is probably a little bit depressed. She's probably unsure, uncertain about her desire. God, are you listening? Are you going to come through for me? Now she's not eating. So she probably looks, she's lost a lot of weight. She probably looks less of herself. Her color is no longer there. But Hannah is still holding on to God. And this time, As she goes into the temple to pray, it says that she is praying and she is praying in her heart, but she is not audible. But here's how I visualize Hannah praying. And this is how sometimes I go gangster on God. As much as she is not vocalizing her words audibly, I believe that her hands are going like... Like, dear God, like, what is happening? Like, what are you doing? Like, I've been praying. I've been fasting. I've been crying. Like, what the heck is going on? I know that sometimes I do go God. I do go gangster on God. But I love it because Hannah is not holding back. In that moment, yet you see her strength. But you also see 
her vulnerability. She's not afraid to let it out on God. She has come. She's been probably distraught, probably a little bit anxious, worried. She's not eaten, right? It doesn't, again, tell us how long she had gone without food. So she's lost weight. She probably looks a little bit disheveled. And here she is mumbling crying out, pouring her heart to God. And if I was Hannah, I would be going like, what is, what is happening? Why? Are, what is going on? And in that moment, Eli, the priest comes up to her and is like, I say, this woman, are you drunk? Like, what is happening to you? Like, imagine yourself wanting something so badly, so greatly, you've prayed, you've fasted, you've cried, you've done everything that you know how to do. Now you're not eating. And then in church or where you worship God, you are laying your heart out. And someone comes up to you and asks you if you're drunk. But here again, Hannah displays so much grace because she doesn't go up to him and say, what do you mean am I drunk? No, she, she doesn't say that. She, she continues to be honest and pour herself out to God. And she says, no. I am not drunk. I am only like this because I have been asking God for something that I want so badly. And yet, he hasn't answered me. Imagine the grace that it takes even at her lowest to not lose her sense of self. And a sense of self, I'm saying her values, her value to never retaliate, to never provoke somebody. Even when she is at her lowest, she does not lose who she is. I am still Hannah. I still respect people. I still treat people with respect even when they question me like Eli is. And even when they um, read me wrong, even when they provoke me, I am still who I am. That is power. But then at this point in time, because Eli sees her, and I believe that if you see somebody who has been through it and has been wanting something, your heart goes out to that person. And so in this moment, Eli tells her, or Eli, in essence, steps in and also petitions for her. Eli says, may the God of Israel grant you your wish, your desire. And as short as it is, I believe that that phrase was so pivotal, it literally began to change Hannah. Not only did it change her eventually on the outside, but she was beginning to rest and change on the inside. And I say this because only a couple of sentences down, it goes to my favorite phrase. And the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. One more time. And the woman went her way, and ate, and her face was no longer sad. It is such a short phrase and verse, but I believe that it packs a punch. Hannah has been praying and wanting and desiring something for who knows how long. It's gotten to the point that she's not eating. And she comes up to Eli this time. And Eli steps into her and ministers to her. 
And in that moment, Hannah begins to change. I believe that in that moment, Hannah says, okay, I will rest in God because I know that I know that I know that he is coming through. I mean, he has already come through for me. And so it says she went her way and I interpret that went her way as in she decides to carry on with her life. She will no longer spend the entirety of her life belaboring and crying over this thing. It's not that she chooses not to continue to pray and believe about it, but then she moves into a position of rest and says, hey, okay, I want it. God has heard me. He has answered me. And so I will carry on with my life. I will go my way. The second thing is it says, and she ate. One, I love food, but not only for me in this moment does it mean that she began to eat physically, because we know that for a period of time, Hannah was not eating. I believe that eating, when we think about eating, at least in our communities and our cultures, we eat when we're excited, when we celebrate. So not only was she beginning to eat physically, she was beginning to eat and enjoy life. Her color was beginning to come back into her. The last point is that her face was no longer sad. Some translations say her countenance was no longer sad. Eli has ministered to Hannah and in this moment she decides to one go her way. I'm going to move on with my life. God has answered me. He has heard me. Number two, I am going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in the Lord because he is the one who has already answered. But number three, her countenance, her affect, her attitude changed Remember, Hannah has been asking, begging, praying for something. She has been disheveled. In my opinion, she's not been eating. And in this moment, her affect, her attitude, she begins to put her shoulders back. She begins to regain her smile. Her face was no longer sad. And we learn as we read her story that eventually Hannah has this baby, the one that she's been praying to God for. Samuel and God, who is so good, does not end there. God gives her more children. So, what can we learn from Hannah's story? Hannah again displays so much resilience and grace. I said this before, but I believe that this is the most pivotal thing about her character. Hannah does not give up. We do not know how much time has passed from the wanting of that desire to it being manifested in her life. But year after year, Hannah does not give up. She does not relent. She continues to pray. She continues to do whatever she knows how to do to get it. Hannah is resilient. And so as you read her story or as you listen to me, here is my ask of you and perhaps this is my encouragement that I don't know what it is that you're going through. I don't know how much time has passed, but perhaps you can take from Hannah this resilience, this I will not give up. I don't know how long. I don't know when. All I do know is that I have been promised something I want it. I will do everything in my power to get it. But I will not relent. I will not stop until it happens. 
Number two, Hannah does not stop praying. She is faithful. It tells us that year after year, they would go up to the house. Year after year, she would pray. So she's resilient, but then she also realizes that this is not going to happen by my own accord. I am going to need the help of somebody who is the finisher of my faith. Hannah consistently and continues to pray to God, trusting him, coming to him. And the beautiful thing about her is that she does not hold back. She gives it all to him. And I know that sometimes as Christians and as women, and I've done this sometimes, we we believe that we should only show God our good sides, right? We don't go gangster on him, right? We don't give it to him the way Hannah did, mumbling, disheveled. We, we, we don't come as we are. We sometimes think that we have to package it. But no, she is faithful through the good, through the bad, through it all. She continues to come to him as she is and give her request, her prayers. She leaves them at her feet. The third thing about Hannah is that she's wise. I believe that is a lot of wisdom. There's this wisdom and then there's resourcefulness that I will put as my third tip. Hannah is wise. Wise in the sense that she knows that at the end of the day, this is going to come from God. So I better just manage my resources and just go to him. But then she also realizes that if I want something, I have to go after it. I'm not going to sit here and wait for it to happen. I'm going to have to be proactive to get it. It's not going to come and meet me at my door, right? I will do everything that I know how to do. I will pray. I will fast. I would um, get active, but I'm also going to have to do something about it relentlessly, faithfully, continuously until that thing happens and it manifests itself in my life. Those are my three tips from the story of Hannah. Resilience, faithfulness, and resourcefulness. And the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. Who are you? At what part of your story are you in? Are you in the middle like Hannah? Wondering, waiting, praying, Hoping for something to happen and it hasn't happened yet. Well, my dear sister, let's look up into Hannah and find the grace. Because <laughs> that chick displayed so much grace. The resilience. The relentlessness in prayer. And the resourcefulness to believe to trust and to know that we already have what we want. It's only a matter of time. And time being the most critical factor, let that time change you. That you may go your way, that you may rest knowing that God has answered, that you may eat, that you may celebrate, and that your countenance will change. I hope that this story was impactful. I hope that you're able to learn something from it. I hope that it blesses you. Have a wonderful day. Bye.